Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. It is exciting and honorable and wonderful to know the goodness of the Lord and um, to be in the land of the living and to experience his mercy and his grace and kindness that knows no end. How many of you know that God is patient with you? How many of you know God is patient with you? How many of you know that God is long-suffering with you? Wow. How many of you are glad that God didn't react out of how he felt about your sin? Oh, see, some of y'all don't know how messed up we are and have been, but if God treated you like your sin, we would all be in trouble. And so the goodness of the Lord and the patience of the Lord and the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance, leads to repentance. Amen. Just a few things um, before we begin. Remember Pastor Nyron in prayer, our pastor over stewardship. Uh, he is um, hospitalized right now. Um, he may get discharged today. We don't know yet. Um, uh, Sister Ruth will keep us updated on that. But if you could just keep uh, that lifted up in prayer, that would be amazing, 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 amazing. Um, one of the things that you're going to see over time, so I, I got to tell you guys this just so that you can be prepared for it and some of the little things that are happening. Um, we talked about um, pastors leading, feeding, caring, knowing, protecting. Um, and I noticed y'all clapped that protecting, so I figured I would explain some things. One of the things that Titus chapter 1 talks about is pastors, elders, leaders protecting. Somebody say protecting. Protecting from false doctrines. So one of the roles and passions outside of Epiphany Fellowship, not just in Epiphany Fellowship that I have, is urban apologetics. Some of you may know that. Um, and so because um, we are going to be, I want to warn you in a good way, um, you're probably going to hear backlash from different groups saying stuff about me or saying stuff about us because we're challenging their ideologies. Um, Hebrew Israelites, we're challenging them. And so uh, we're challenging them online. Last night we did a live about Deuteronomy 28:68 um, and challenging the philosophy that blacks, uh, African Americans are the original Hebrews. We're challenging that. This fall, I can't speak a lot on it yet, but we're going to be doing a debate with the comedic scientists from New York City. And um, it's going to be pretty much a, a huge deal. We're going to be challenging the ideology that Christianity is the white man's religion. Um, be in prayer because we've secure, we secure it. It's kind of like our event and their event at the same time. And so I want you praying about this. That's why I'm telling you about it. Charlemagne the God is going to be one of the moderators for it. And so, and you know I'm going to be sharing, I'm sharing the gospel all the whole time. In Jesus' name, um, and um, and so and so, we, we have some of our guys that are going to really be challenging uh, things. And so I, I'm buying more books than I probably bought when I was in all of my post undergraduate studies. But I'm just working and developing and trying to challenge these things because our desire is not just to be right. Our 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 desire, we already know the truth is right, so we're not trying to be right. Jesus is already right. Um, but one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to, first of all, protect believers who don't know how to discern false doctrine. That's number one. That's our first priority. Second, we want to draw back in people who are in false doctrine, and then we want to literally spiritually decapitate false teachers based on 2 Peter chapter 2. So that's, I'm just letting you know um, that that's what it's about. And so if you get a chance, tune into that. But just know that there's going to be some trolls all the time. And they may troll you guys. So I wanted to let y'all know that. All right. Um, in a few weeks, I'll be um, in Memphis celebrating MLK's 50th. So if you could keep that lifted up in prayer. Believers from all over the globe, cross-ethnically, will be coming together. I'll be one of the speakers there. And um, it's going to be a time where African-Americans and whites and different uh, uh, groups from all over the country and world are going to be coming together to talk about the, the, the state of race relations in the church and evangelicalism. So if you could be lifting that up, that's going to be a huge deal that we're going to be involved in. I'm not telling you all this stuff for bragging stuff. I'm telling you that stuff for prayer. Um, and I'm excited today 
because we have a granddaughter church that's launching in Gloucester City, New Jersey. So we're excited about that. A lot of good stuff going on. Um, the, uh, the, uh, um, and so um, it's going to be great uh, with Joe Marlin and his, and, his, and his wife and his family over there doing a great work in a very, very tough place. So let's keep these items lifted up in prayer. Hopefully you weren't just listening to what I was saying, but you were also willing to keep these items lifted up in deep prayer. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's dig in. Let's dig in. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verses 26 through 33. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 26 through 33. Ephesians 5, 26 through 33. Let's read together on three. One, two, three, go. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to talk about love, respect, and oneness. Love, respect, and oneness. Let's go before Father. Father God, we are thankful for the ability to um, see things from your, not just vantage point, but your manufacturing commitment. You created the family, and because you created the family and you love us, you want us to walk with one another in love and mother and fathers husbands and wives are are, are the strongest curators of family in a home and and and, 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 in, and in communities and so god we pray in the name of jesus christ that we will promote the biblical idea of family and that we're all growing with no matter what season of life we're in no matter uh, where we are whether single married all of us are in a family and so god i pray uh, that not if anything else we can see a more healthy and biblical view of family that helps us to be shaped as biblical men and women who honor you and glorify you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody agree that's it? You may be seated. Um, a man um, was talking about a flood hitting his home, uh, particularly a a Houston man, and um, as the flood hit his home, uh, he thought everything was, was going to be okay because he, he had pretty much a good system of making sure that he kept the house pretty decently waterproofed and, 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 and flood not coming into the home. But he said the, the more the water surrounded his house and the more it hit his home, he, he realized something in, interesting. What he realized is there were places that the water started coming into this home that he didn't even know were openings. He, 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 I mean, he, he, he thought his house was absolutely unadulteratedly safe from floods. And because he thought his house was safe from floods, he thought he could sit back, relax, and chill in the midst of this flood. But little did he know what ended up happening was water began to come into different cracks. If you know anything about water, water has to find an outlet. And whenever water has to find an outlet, it fights its way through every attempt to keep it out. And he saw it coming in under the windowsill. He saw it coming in from up under the floor. He saw it coming in uh, through his stuff. He saw water coming in from every single place, and, and, and he didn't understand why. That's because he, even though he believed he had uh, set things up for the flood not to affect him, there were holes in his home that he did not know existed. Existed. There were places in his home where the flood could come in and could destroy everything that he had been working so hard for, everything that he had been set up. And what happened is the flood came in so ferociously that he lost everything. Marriage is the same way. Many times our marriages 
have holes in it we don't understand or know about. And one of the things that we have to begin to do and we have to begin to be able to do in a home is we have to be diligent. Somebody say diligent. We have to be diligent in dealing with the holes that are in our life, the holes that are in our marriage and the holes that are in our oneness, if you will. Um, you, you know, uh, many times th th there are holes that, that we can't see and these holes look in many ways like not talking to each other the right way. It also can look like financial challenges. It also can look like the inability to deal with conflict. I, I looked at some stuff on how, why many marriages end, why so many marriages end in divorce, same inside the church as outside the church. We don't have to go over those statistics. It's daunting. And so <clears throat> lack of communication, the lack of the inability to talk to each other, or if you're talking to each other, some of us think we're communicating, but we're actually not communicating. Because just because you're saying words out of your mouth to a person doesn't mean that they're taking it as communication that's responsive to help you to remain on the same page. Not only that, um, finances is a big issue in why marriage is in. Uh, people being on the same page, some people overspending, some people going on shopping sprees and everything, you know. Uh, uh, overbuying, you know, I, I was telling the person when I went to Target, I was happy that I only spent $30 when I went to Target, because I don't know what it is about Target, but there's just a magnet to put more stuff in. I think they got some aromatherapy or something in there to make you just buy more stuff, and you end up with $150 worth of stuff, and you're like, how in the world did I spend $150 and I came in here for some milk, okay? And so um, I, came, I came in with milk to spend $4, and I came out spending $150, right? And so that can, that can impact your marriage, particularly, I always have to tell my wife, I say, baby, Make a list. Stick to the list. Go in straight to where you're going. Don't look at nothing. Don't look at home goods. Don't look at nothing. Just go straight in. Um, trust is another issue that can impact marriages. Trust is another issue that can impact marriage. N not only that, uh, expectations for each other. Um, when you have expectations that aren't clear and aren't able to be met by that person, that can be a challenge in your marriage. Your spouse doesn't understand or fulfill your needs and desires. We talked about that. Quick change of lifestyle can challenge the marriage. Insecurity can challenge the marriage. One of the things that's big in marriages is a lot of spouses don't take the time to understand the impact of their, their spouse's family past on why they have the person in front of them because a lot of what they went through and how they were raised played into the way they relate to you in marriage and unless you're allowing God to get to those particular things your marriage is many times salvageable if you would just take time and focus and help each other not only that abuse abuse is a big thing that pushes things away in marriage so what does what, what all of this amount to I believe it amounts to one biblical word, oneness. Somebody say oneness. When we look at the idea of oneness, oneness very simply uh, uh, boils down to this. It's to be on the same page with God and one another. Oh, that was good right there. Uh, uh, um, Y'all quiet today. It's okay. I'll wait till 11 o'clock. But uh, um, 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 uh, um, being one based on Adam's edict, the two shall become one flesh is this is it boils down to being on the same page with God and one another you can't just spend time with God you got to spend time with your spouse you can't be biblically deep and and, and be maritally shallow okay it, it's impossible they both go hand in hand and, and somebody feeling like I'm not ready for marriage none of us were ready for marriage being a being married is like coming president you can put up the most political stuff you've done in your county, in your little city, in your state. It's different running a state and running a country. Okay, so it's the same, same thing with marriage. Um, that doesn't mean you don't need to prepare for marriage, but it does mean that you can't prepare in every way to be married. You just got to get married. Amen. <laughs> so overview of this, Jesus Christ sets the tone for marital oneness. That's the overview of the sermon. Jesus sets the tone for marital oneness. That's what I want you to see out of this text today. And then we'll have a few more points as we walk through this and believe to help us to see in Jesus setting the tone for marital oneness.
That means he empowers both husband and wife to be one with him in order to be one with one another. Let me say that again. You can't be one with one another if you're not functionally one with him. Because being one with Jesus Christ gives you the capacity and strength to be one with one another. So as we look at Ephesians, this last part, last week, we walked through the first part of Ephesians, part of Ephesians where we talked about the husband needing to die and the wife needing to be submissive. If you remember last time, submissiveness means uh, to willingly place yourself in your God-ordained role. That's all it means. Submission means to, to willingly place yourself in your God-ordained role. That, that's what it means. From last week, from verses um, 22 um, to, uh, to, to, the, to, to the verse before where we are now, verse 25. And we saw that the husband must die. In other words, he initiates this type of stuff in the marriage by making sure that he doesn't live for himself, but he lives for Jesus Christ by living in a way that helps his spouse, which brings me to my first point. If, if you're going to look at this thing, love, respect, and oneness, number one, you must recognize that husbands initiate oneness in the marriage. This is very important. Husbands initiate oneness in the marriage. Look at verse 26. Y'all out there today? Y'all real quiet. I'm just making sure. All right. I feel like I'm in a seminar right now, not a sermon. All right. All right. TED talk or something. All right. <clears throat> this church, not a TED talk. All right. I don't do talks and, you know, I do sermons. Amen. <clears throat> verse 26. It says to make her holy. And that's, that's, that's the reason why Jesus died. He died to make her, talking about the church, holy cleansing her with the washing of the water of the word. This is amazing right here. And this is very, very important. What I want you to understand, men, and what I want you to understand, women, that everything that Paul is letting the husband and wife in marriage know that Jesus Christ did for the church is the way he's expecting on a micro level for the husband and the wife to relate to one another. Everything in here has practical implications for your everyday life for you to utilize this robust system that Christ has put in place for you to be who you want we want you to be and I'm telling you um uh, um 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 if, if you're if you're single and you're desiring at some point to be married not finding your identity in marriage but at some point wanting to be married you don't want to check out today don't check out because you're single today <laughs> I want you to zoom lens on this because this is very very important so when we look at this idea of him dying to make her holy Talking about the church, it says, uh, uh, right here, Jesus' death is, has set, uh, uh, is what sets up the church aside as different. Jesus' death is what sets the church aside as different. That's deep right there. I'm going to come back to that. No, I'm going to do that right now. In other words, Jesus Christ is monogamous. He died to set the wife, the church, aside as his only woman. Mm, 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 mm. I like that. And what it does is it makes her holy. In other words, holy talks about setting something aside as uniquely different than everything else out there. That's what a man's about. Y'all don't know when to shout. See, that's what, that's, that's what a man does. A man commits clearly. In other words, Jesus Christ shows clear commitment to the church by saying, I am going to, you're mine, I chose you, you didn't choose me. Remember that. He said, I chose you, you didn't choose me. He snatches shorty up, the church, like you mine, shorty, it's me and you. It, 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 I, I ain't fooling with nobody else. I'm so committed to you that, 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 that I'm going to die on the cross for you, girl. You, so, you know what I'm saying? You ain't even fine yet. I'm going to die to make you fine. That, that's, that's, that, that's, that's what he does. In other words, Jesus' death encourages the spiritual beauty of the church to come out. In other words, the church follows the glory of what Jesus Christ has done for her and, and, and willingly submits herself to a leader who's willing to die. It's, it's real simple. If you're willing to die, a woman is willing to walk in holiness. Why? Because you set the tone, fellas, 
for oneness in the household. You can't be sitting around watching TV, chilling and carrying on, thinking that she's going to do everything for you. Baby, come here. Baby, can you do this? Baby, can you go to this? Baby, can you set this up? Nah, get up off your butt and go initiate oneness in the home. And ladies, sometimes, sometimes you got to not do everything. Because some of your frustration to start stuff for him enables his triflingness. So sometimes you got to let it fall apart. And, and know what you say? Why, if you, I ain't trying to be stereotypical, but you knitting or something. Baby, why that didn't get done? Baby, by the grace of God, that's your responsibility as a husband. And so I'm loving you by submitting to your leadership by waiting till you initiate what God has called you to do. I love you. You want some coffee? You want some coffee, baby? I get you that. I get you that, right? <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus cleanses her with the washing of the water of the word. This is very deep. He cleanses her, I love this, <laughs> with the washing of the water of the word. Now this points back to Ezekiel 36, a famous passage on the new covenant, which says, I will sprinkle you clean with water, verse 25, on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes. Jesus Christ's death is a washing. Somebody say washing. Now, as Jesus Christ, now this is mainly right now, not about the husband washing the wife. It will in a second. But this is initiated by what Christ has done by washing the church. One of the things you'll hear, and I'll give some practical ways in a second. One of the things you'll hear Jesus say in places like John 15, in verse 3, I believe, he says, you are already clean because of the word that I spoke to you. So what Jesus Christ does is the, is, is the gospel, the word of the gospel, is the mechanism that cleans up the church from her filthiness. Now you have to understand, Jesus chose a filthy bride. In other words, Jesus didn't choose a virgin. I could just talk about that all day. See some, see some guys, see some of you, no, I gotta be straight. See some guys wanna whore around. I'm not calling anybody a hoe, so don't walk away saying that. Don't walk away saying women ain't, I didn't say that. I'm talking about the act. But then you wanna marry a virgin. Now I'm not dogging virginity, but you can't wild out, then act like you need a pure spouse that has a pure past when you was wilding, but you ain't pure, but she got to put up with your lack of purity to marry you, but now you, you overlooking a woman that God has brought through some stuff and has transformed through some stuff and now recognizing that Christ has redeemed her and, and, and made, made her a spiritual virgin. I wish I had time to talk about that. And, and now she's being sanctified and she's walking with the Lord. You can't worry about the past. You have to initiate and walk with the person that God has placed in front of you. That's very important because you, we can't have double standards. And if Jesus is spiritually and naturally a virgin, picks up the church and every last one of us are spiritual prostitutes. How dare you act like you're too big to marry a woman that has a broken past but a sanctified present. And so he washes her with the water of the word. I, this, I like what Ezekiel uh, 16 says, 16, 6. This gospel stuff right here. Somebody say gospel stuff. It says in, verse, in 16, 6, it says, I passed by you and saw you thrashing around in your blood. And I said to you, as you lay in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, as you lay in your blood, live. I made you thrive like plants in the field. You grew up and matured and became very beautiful. 
Your breasts were formed and your hair grew, but you were stark naked. Then I passed by you and saw you and you were indeed the age for love. So I spread the edge of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. That's God talking to his people. Every last one of us were thrashing in the blood of a stillborn birth. And the mess, that the, the, oh, thrashing in our blood points to thrashing in sin and God passing by and nurturing us even though we were about to die. When it talks about Jesus Christ doing this, this is the beauty of the gospel. Acts chapter 15 verse 8 says, and God knows, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just also as he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. What is it pointing to Jesus about in this passage? In other words, in this passage that we're in, in the passage that we looked at, Jesus has three offices. Are y'all still tracking with me today? He's prophet, priest, and king. It's focusing in this passage, not on his prophetic role, not on his kingly role, but on his priestly role. And the reason why it's focusing on his priestly role, because he zoom lenses, his husband role here is pointing on his priestly commitment to now cause men to reflect the priestliness of Jesus's office in the home. Oh, my God, I'm by myself. And so, and so, and so, and so in doing this, how does this apply to marriage? Here we go. How does this apply to marriage? Okay, so if husbands are to be like Jesus, we ought to wash our wives with the gospel. Uh uh, uh. Now, to wash your wife with the gospel means you must see sin and think hopefully about her. <laughs> it means you, because you're going to see sin. And the question is, you can't be so insecure you're mad all the time. You have to learn how to say, how can I love her back to oneness? That's tough. Because guess what God tells us to do? Come boldly before the throne of grace in the time of need in order that we may find grace. That means God doesn't tell you to get it right, then come before me. He says, come before me while it's not right. And I love you enough to allow you to come in my presence because as you come to my presence, that's why it's called the throne of grace. In other words, when you come to me in sin, I, you can expect grace when you get here. <laughs> that's the beauty of the gospel listen in marriage now I gotta say I'm fighting to continue to walk with Jesus in a way where I look at my wife graciously because I need to look at how I treat God in order to love her rightly because many of us act like people's sins against us is unique <laughs> we, we act like the sin against us it's different God is God he's supposed to you know he's God I mean what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to love us. No, but he also transfers that to you to apply in your marriage. So one of the things that you have to do in washing your wife with the water of the word and doing that, you have to build an environment of these things right here. You can put them up there. You have to build an environment of truth. Truth. You got to be controlled by truth. The Bible says Jesus was full of grace and truth. That's what it said. He was full of grace and truth. You got to build an environment of repentance. Lord, have mercy. That means you don't, you, building an environment for, this is how you wash your wife with the water of These are gospel principles, right? So when you look at this, when you build an environment of repentance, that means you're not calling her to repentance all the time. You're repenting. Your example of repentance creates an environment of repentance. What is repentance? To turn away from sin. That means you can't be around acting like you didn't sin. You got to admit stuff. That means that you got to do stuff like this. Your wife got to know your phone code. You can't be like, why are you on my phone? Give me my phone. Hey, hey, hey. Give me my phone. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Why you hiding, dog? Why you hiding your phone? My wife, I'll be like, here. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know. Don't go on there when she asks you your phone and go erase history first. You know what I'm saying? Repent, re repentance is walking through it. And, and, and wives shouldn't have to interrogate us. Oh, help me today. We should build an environment of grace. So the Bible says he's full of truth and he's full of grace. So that means he's controlled by unmerited favor. 
That's what husbands have to be. We have to be a safe place for our wives to admit their brokenness. Oh, my God. Preach, Pastor. I'm telling you right now. You, you, I, I tell myself, that's good. See, see when some of y'all that ain't married, you're going to feel all of this. You're going to go back to the podcast and shout in the car. Watch. Because, because watch, I'm telling you. Because, because, because if you, you have to build. And when I build an environment of grace, I get the results in my marriage that my anger doesn't produce. My anger has never produced oneness in my, in my marriage. Never. 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 I, I'm, I'm about to get, I was about to say something. I'm going to get to that later. Patience. Lord, have mercy. Go, go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Patience. It's right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Patience. Jesus sat and listened. I said, dudes, I'm sorry. You're supposed to help me. I'm sorry. That ain't your fault. It's my fault. I ain't going to put it on you. Jesus sat and listened to, the dude, to dudes for hours. That's what Jesus does with the church. I got to correct that. Um, when G, G, now, 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 men, I'm telling you, you're going to have to learn how to sit and listen to the wife. Now, I know y'all like, Pastor, why are you going to initiate? How does that wash her with the water of the word? How does that wash her? I'm supposed to be talking, and I'm shorter, you know. Um, but, 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 but that builds an environment for oneness. Because before you can wash her, you got to earn the right to be heard. And a woman don't want to hear you until she felt like you've heard her. I know I'm preaching right there. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. If you, you can't say nothing to her until she does a verbal enema. I'm telling you. Until she get it all out. So you can, you, but wait, let, me, let me just say, don't do that. Just sit there. Yeah. Mm. Are you serious? Girl, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. You better, you, that's how you draw her in. And then she's going to be like, God just saw my problem. You listen to me. God bless. What you want to tell me? And she'll actually let you say anything after that. Next point. Next one. Next one. Next one, right? Next one, right? Next one, right? Self-control. Jesus fought temptation so that he would be qualified to die for us. One of the things that Jesus does by washing a wife with the word of the word, is fighting temptation. It's real quiet, fellas. Fellas, we got to fight temptation, gents. We must fight temptation as well. Listen, love, Romans 5, 8, the Bible, this is hard stuff, right? Now, this is, this is super-duper gospel stuff right here. The Bible says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, your wife doesn't earn the right for you to die for her. You die for her while she's a mess. I'm, I, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, that type of stuff earns respect in the home. All this good stuff. Empathy. Empathy. The Bible says we don't have a high priest that's, un, that's unable to empathize with our infirmities, but he's been tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. That means not becoming bitter. That points to the reality of being empathetic. The opposite of empathy is bitterness. Because bitterness pushes away the spouse. Empathy says I enter into your brokenness even though I don't fully understand it. And sometimes as men, this is hard for us to do because we don't, sometimes we I don't understand this, man. Just, just stand up, go and do something. Like we think it's simple, but, 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 but women, God has blessed them to process differently from us. Amen. Amen. I'll just say that. They process differently from us. Next one. I'll say that God in a godly way. We forgot one. Shepherding her in pruning. Is that up there? We put that one up there. We couldn't place that one. That's all right. Shepherding her in her pruning. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. I got seven minutes. I got too much stuff to go over. Uh, help me today. Shepherding her in pruning. John 15, 2. You can write that down. Leading her to the shearers of God's garden. Let me tell you one of the hardest things for me as a husband. In, in washing my wife with the water of the word, this for free. You can, even though you're called a washer with the water of the word, you can't control her spiritual life. In other words, you can't become her savior. Your job in washing her with the water of the word is to point her to the savior. That's very important. Now, this is, this is, this is another part for free. So what I had to learn to do is when my wife dealt with something difficult or God was dealing with her, I had to stop trying to rescue her from God's belt. 
<laughs> now, I'm not trying to put my wife out there. I'm talking about all of us deal with this. So all of us get spankadized by the living God. You understand what I'm saying? But what I am saying is, is there are times, not even where she sinned, but God is pruning her. And when you are, if, if you're a husband that loves your wife in any kind of way, it's difficult to see your wife wrestling through some things. What I've learned, though, is the more I try to give her Bible verses and get with her through it, it actually interrupts God's shearers to prune her based on John 15 for her to be pruned in order that she may bear more fruit. Remember, she has a relationship with God, not just with you. So when you know that she has a relationship with God, not just you, 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 you learn as a shepherd, sometimes washing is moving. Next, reconciliation. Next one. Thank you, brother. Reconciliation. We got the ministry of reconciliation in the home, too. This ain't just some evangelism. <laughs> we, we have the ministry of reconciliation. That means we initiate reconciliation. Ooh. It's not the woman's job to come to you and reconcile. It's yours. Oh, my goodness. Reconciliation is supposed to be initiated by a man now. But most of the time in marriage, women initiate reconciliation because we go into our mental man cave. I know I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching. And, and, and listen, listen, we go into our mental man cave. Well, she going to have to talk to me. Shoot. I'm chilling right here. That's dumb. I'm in my zone. This is my zone. You, no, you can't be like that as a man. A man has to be like, you know what? Christ initiate coming after me and my sin. I need to go after my wife being like Christ and initiate moving towards her instead of sleeping on the couch. Wow. Wow. I'm telling y'all, this is some real talk right here. <laughs> and it's hard when you're burning with anger. Okay? And restoration. Gentle restoration. The Bible says when somebody is caught in a sin, you restore them with a spirit of gentleness. I got to go to the next, uh, the, the next verse. But one of the things we got to recognize is we get from our wife what we invest in her. <laughs> Don't expect stuff out of your wife you didn't invest. I'm like, where'd that come from? <laughs> I mean, one of the things that, 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 that I see, I, I see it with my son, my oldest son. He's 15, so I'm, I'm, I expect because he got muscles, he's taller, he's growing a mustache, he knows, right? And my wife will tell me every now and then, babe, you know you didn't teach him how to do that, but you're fussing at him about something you didn't teach him. I was like, wow, that's real, babe. See, that's, that's when you have a real woman in your life. Tell you some old crazy stuff, make you mad. But she's telling you in love, amen. Um, but I, I do that with my wife. Many times I have expectations of her that I didn't verbalize, but I become angry and bitter because she's not giving me what I want. And so one of the things we have to do is we have to be careful with that. Verse 27, we're still under the same point. Husband initiates oneness in the home. Y'all still with me? He said, he did this. To, to present the church to himself. This is crazy. So Jesus washed the church with the water of the word. And let me, let me say this too. Washing with the water of the word is not just doing devotions with her, going through a marriage book. I'm telling you, like some of y'all got some idealistic things about marriage. Listen, it's about building a culture more than anything else. Okay, and so he did, the, he, he did this to present the church to himself. Mm. So he gets from the church what he did in the church. Woo! That was good. Without spot or wrinkle. So the results that he gets from the church, Jesus Christ does, is stuff he invested in pouring into the church and creating an environment for the, spirit, the, the church's spiritual growth or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And so what Jesus does when he says holy and blameless, this was so powerful. This, this, I mean, I may run out the room and come back. This is how powerful this principle is. I'm, I'm dead serious. Jesus not only cleanses the church from her sin, he removes the ability 
for former accusations made by the enemy to be effect, to not be affected or, or reality of guilt in the church's life. When he made her holy and blameless, it's not just that he set her aside. He made her blameless. Why? Because the enemy will try to bring up what the church has done. And the Bible says we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So when your wife has a broken past, when she has a messed up past and she has a trifling past, Christ makes her holy and blameless as if the past didn't exist. That's why, Roman, that's why 1 Corinthians 13 says, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. That means that you help a woman's past, you help her to walk in the functional expungement of her record of sin. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. Had a guy, he, he told me he was cool with me sharing his story. Brother here at the church had a lot of issues. Had a lot of issues with his past. He had come a Christian, started walking with the Lord, trying to do the right thing, get his education, GED, all this stuff. But he had this record. He had been to jail. I had visited him, all these different things. And he had all of these different issues, but and, and he wanted to move forward in life. But he had this record. So every time he tried to go get a job, he would get the job until they checked his record. And then as soon as they checked his record, he would get fired because even though he had did his time and paid his debt to society, the record was still that he did that. So we put him in an expungement process. What we did was we set him up on a trajectory to pay off whatever debts with that he had, and not only to pay off those particular debts, but to get the government to get rid of the fact that he had ever been to jail in the first place. As soon as his record got expunged, he was able to get all kinds of jobs. He was able to get married. He was able to get all kinds. He got his GED. He, he, he went to college. He's doing all of these things, all because a record is expunged. That's what Jesus Christ does in your life. Is what he does in your life is he not only makes you holy and acceptable to him, but guess what else he does? He makes you blameless. In other words, the stuff the enemy wants to bring up, the challenges the enemy wants to bring in your life, he says, no, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about because the blood has expunged the record that's what that's what we do as husbands we said don't mention that about my wife homie you don't know me like that I don't know what you're talking about all that's gone because the record is expunged I gotta move verse 28 Say, in the same way husbands are to love their wives. Just like that. Just like that. Treat her like she didn't have a spiritually criminal record. Y'all not hearing me today. Listen, it says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Um, I, I like to go to the zoo, and when we go to the zoo, it's these animals. They, they, they be doing like this on each other. One turn his back like this. The other one be up in his back like this, going like that, spreading stuff out. And, I, I, you know, and my, my, son, my oldest son, he's just an animal and ecological nerd. He's just smart. He says, said, Dad, he says, that's community grooming, Dad. I was like, community grooming? I'm like, wow. Okay, buddy. Community grooming. <laughs> he said, what they do is they, they just randomly just clean each other off at different points of the day. That's what the husband is supposed to do. Just clean the wife off, just like that. <laughs> but look at what it says, verse 29. It's for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does the church. So this is a beautiful family. As we look at this, I'm gonna have to skip some of this. But it says, he nourishes or provides for the church. Right here, this idea of nourishment is interesting because it points to him feeding the church, providing for the church, and cherishing the church as the church is cared for. Got to jump down to the last point. I got to be done. Look at the last point. Wives influence oneness in the home. This is going to be real quick. It's going to be real quick because we're going to get to that when we get in Second Peter 1, 1 Peter 1. 
But wives influence. Men lead, wives influence. Somebody say men lead, wives influence. This is interesting. So what we see here is respect means to reverence, not worship. Let me tell you this, ladies, real quick. Men don't need love. They need respect. Men get love through respect. If you do anything to disrespect, man, a man will never say, I don't feel like you love me. You will never hear a dude say that. I don't feel like you ever love me. You ain't gonna never hear a dude say that. That's weird too. It's really weird. But no one you will hear a man say, you don't respect me. The Bible already knew that. Am I right about it? And, and so these are some ways to respect your husband. Express, respect expresses a wife's trust. I trust you, baby. You understand what I'm saying? Respect gives a husband the belief that he can do hard things. When he's doing something hard, you don't say, see, that's why I told you not to do it in the first place. It's like, wow, I'm not supported. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, wow, I guess I won't be walking by faith with her. You know, I mean, it's right. So <laughs> respect acknowledges his leadership and discourages him from being passive. It means you got to say, baby, I really, I'm not nagging you, but I am. Um, can, can, I need you to initiate this. My wife will set a piece of paper, like a bill somewhere strategic that I've forgotten about and keep setting it in different places where she knows I'm going to be. Oh, God. I tell myself all the time from the pulpit, I don't care, man. I'm growing too. Listen. Um, res uh, respect provides encouragement and makes him want to love her more. Respect speak, uh, speaks well. Uh, uh, well, never speak about his weaknesses in public. Oh, God. Let me just tell you something. If you want to kill and destroy and annihilate your marriage... Put him on blast in front of everybody at the front of you. See, I told him, I told him, and he don't, and this is like, wow. And then he gonna walk out and he gonna be out back. Nobody gonna know where he is for the rest of the time. <laughs> but it also assumes imperfections. Um, again, um, love, respect, oneness. The husband commits to love, respect, and oneness in a powerful way by initiating oneness. That means he moves towards the wife and not expect the wife to move towards him. The wife's role in oneness is to respond to his initiation. That, that, that's, that's the role. That's called respect. Him initiating his love, you responding is respect. It's beautiful. Y'all see that clear, don't you? And, 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 and in reality of that, um, in doing that in closing, um, one of the things, back to the illustration I gave in the beginning, uh, we had a water issue at our house. And we, we did dry lock, we did all of these things to try to get the water to stop coming into our house. If you own a Philly house, you probably got water somewhere in your basement. Amen, Amen everybody, you know it is. <laughs> but what's interesting is the waterproofing guy came to my house and he said, oh, you got these are center blocks. He says water blocked up in there. That's, he said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drill holes in this. I said, you're going to drill holes in my wall, the wall of my basement? He said, yes. He said, I'm going to drill holes in this, and then we're going to put a French drain down here. And he said, I'm going to put the French drain down here, and I'm going to lead the drain, all the French drain around the wall to go toward the sub pump and push the water out. So you're still going to get water, but I'm going to create a way for the floods to be managed. In other words, I'm not going to plug up everything. I'm going to let some stuff come in so you can see that it's happening. But what I'm going to do is also set up a way for it to go out. See, that's what Jesus Christ did. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will lift up a standard against the enemy. And I don't know where you are in your marriage and I don't know where you are in your life, but there are going to be floods that come in your marriage. 
There are going to be challenges that come in your marriage. But let me tell you something. Christ Jesus is more than enough to send his mess into the trash bin and get him out of your life and get him out of your stuff in order that you and your spouse can be the best people you can be for him and for one another. Let's pray. Lord God and Father, wow. What a reality. It's, it's of excitement and celebration for us as believers where we get to experience everything on your terms. Although we talked about husbands and wives, the church is your bride. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your savior. If you are not brought into a relationship with Christ, you're not brought into a relationship with the living God. And so we call you to the beauty of what this passage ultimately points to, the big picture, Christ's relationship with the church. That means going from spiritual death to spiritual life. What a wonderful thing to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. The way that happens is by trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. And guess what he does? He puts you in an undivorceable relationship with God. Let me say that again. When you trust Jesus, you get into an undivorceable relationship with God because of Christ's death on the cross and resurrection. If you want to be in an unbreakable relationship with God, God will never leave you nor forsake you as he deals with your sin. Anyone here want to put their trust in Christ, hold your hand in the air. We'd love to pray with you. Anyone? Anyone, 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 anyone wants to place their confidence in Jesus. Anyone, anyone. Best decision that you can make is to have an indestructible relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There is nothing you can do. Is there one today? Hand up, hand up. Anyone? Anyone? I see that hand right there. I saw you. Amen, 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 amen. We love to pray with you real quick. We love to pray with you. We're not going to put you on, but every head bow, every eye closed. We love to pray with you. Anybody else? It says, I want to place my confidence in Jesus. Best decision you can make. Best decision you can make in your life is to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Amen. Well, this one come forward, and we are thankful and glad for this profession of faith. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray for this young man. Thank you for giving him the ability to make a profession of faith. And God, I pray that you would be with him and that we would be with him. But we know that you, your being with him will extend to eternity. And so God, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that he would understand you clearly and walk with you deeply. In Jesus' name. Everybody agree with that said? Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.